Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. On this episode, we're going to talk about a topic that every maintenance crew has to wrestle with, and that's driver fatigue. Now, when we recorded this episode back in February, there was some discussion if it would still be as relevant and timely a topic as it could have been if it came out at the beginning of winter. Well, little did we know what was in store for us with the pandemic and subsequent response. Maintenance crews everywhere have been called on to perform extra duties in addition to those they already had on their plate to aid in the response. When we originally were talking about driver fatigue, we were thinking about those weather events that lasted for several days. No one could have imagined we'd be in the middle of an event lasting months. But that makes this topic every bit as relevant as during the winter. So let's spend the next half an hour or so talking about driver fatigue. The National Sleep Foundation did a poll and found that 60% of adult drivers, or about 168 million people, say they've driven while feeling drowsy in the past year. And more than a third, or 103 million, admit to actually falling asleep behind the wheel. Did you know that drivers who've been up for 21 hours straight have a performance that's similar to having a blood alcohol content of 0.08, which is legally impaired? And if you've been going for 24 hours, it's similar to blowing a 0.1. Now, while we'd have a fit if our employees showed up for work after several drinks, but how often do your folks pull all-nighters behind the wheel of a snowplow? After all, we've got to keep the road open, don't we? But before we get started, I want to take just a minute to thank all the state DOTs who financially support PSYCOP and our podcast with their yearly contributions. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't be here today. Now, I came across some tech tips on driver fatigue that are really good, and I think you'll find them worthwhile too. Here to talk about driver fatigue is our guest, Dave Orr, the director of the Cornell Local Roads Program, where I found these tech tips. Thanks for being with us, Dave. Thanks for having us. You know, you you were mentioning uh, <clears throat> a little earlier on that uh, Cornell Local Roads has actually been around for quite a long time. Yeah, the Cornell Local Roads program was actually uh, started in 1951, but our roots go back over 100 years to the Good Roads Movement. And we're the New York State LTAP Center, which is a national program that started because of ourselves and the folks in Indiana and Oklahoma. And one of the things we're trying to do is provide training and technical assistance to the local agencies, but like every LTAP center across the country, we also work with state DOTs, private entities, anybody who has a road-related issue. How did you guys get started with, with these tech tips? and, and um, how Well, well the, the, the tech tips actually go back many years. The idea was we want to provide training and technical assistance, and we're always getting questions asked. And so the first thing we did was we said, you know, if we get a simple question, we'll just write up a simple answer, one or two paragraphs, and we'll post it on the web rather than just having it disappear. And that became what we call quick answers, you know, short snippets. Someone asked a question about, you know, this brand of uh, asphalt sealer or a little bit on what the color of a sign might be, things like that. But we also found sometimes questions needed to have a little bit more detail, so we would put the tip sheet, and we call them tech tips. And then once in a while, we come across a topic like the driver fatigue one where we really need to write a series of sheets 
there's a lot more information than you can fit on one or two sheets of paper. And so we write a series, and that's what happened in this particular case. Our communication specialist, Adam Howell, he put together a really fantastic set of sheets on driver winter fatigue, which is certainly an issue here in the Northeast. You know, back in January, Adam sent me links to the uh, the tech tips, and as I was going through them, one of the things that really jumped out at me were the uh, statistics that uh, were quoted in there. Uh, boy, they really go towards you know defining the kinds of of issues associated with uh, driver fatigue. Well, there's some beautiful statistics. I love the the one here with the uh, National Safety Council on the first page. Well, page two, but the first tip, chief. Mm-hmm. 13% of workplace injuries and 43% admit they may be too tired. Ooh, that's not good. No, and, and you know, the, the big thing is you've got to admit it, right? It's like nobody wants to admit that, oh, hey, I'm too tired to, to go out and do my job. Then that's a hard thing to do, to tell somebody, I can't do the job because I'm too tired. It really is. Yeah, well, yeah, and, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, you, he's just slacking, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a big deal trying to, to, to fess up that, hey, I'm just not ready to get in that truck and, and hit the road. There's a, I can't remember the term, I have to admit, I don't know if it's in the tip sheets or not, but there's a, something that happens to people where they realize they've just lost a set of time. And they lose literally two or three minutes sometimes. Their body's still functioning, but they don't have any memory of it later on. And if you ever have that happen to you, you really should be able to go, I think it's time for me to make some changes. Because instead of having just lost two minutes and you're still on the road, what if you lost two minutes and you're in the shoulder or you're off to the side? I had a former boss who came within a hair's breadth of getting essentially in a fatal crash because of that exact problem. So I always try to keep that. Well, and, and you know what? I, I've done it driving home. You know, you've had a stressful day. Um, and, you know, for me, driving from Reno to Carson, uh, you know, it's it's four lane and, you know, you're just waiting for your exit to yep. happen. And, you know, and then, and then it's like you, you sort of come awake. I mean, you haven't been sleeping, right? But it's like you become conscious and it's like, this doesn't look familiar. I've where the heck am I? You know, have I gone past my exit? And and uh, it, it it is frightening. It is very frightening to to realize you've lost track of what's been going on around. And you. we always think about issues with alcohol and drugs, but sleeping is falling asleep is from fatigue is just as bad. So. Yeah, like 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 you say, these uh, these statistics are pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. What is it in 2015? Uh, 2.3% of the fatalities occurred uh, involved drowsy driving. I mean, and, and that's something that you ha- you have control over. Right? It, it is, yeah, yeah. So, so when it comes to uh, driver fatigue, um, it's like it's it's almost like it's a, a fact of life, right? It's uh, you know you've you've got long shifts, you've got uh, multiple shifts. Um, what are some of the what are some of the, the, the challenges associated with, with driver fatigue? Well, probably one of the biggest challenges, and it's one that's actually sort of hard to even put into the tip sheet, is for the local agencies, they're small departments. They don't actually do shift work for most of them. They're out there long hours. And so it's an awareness issue to start with, to make sure they're aware of the fact that that tiredness that they feel 
not just affects how they feel, but it also could affect their safety and the safety of the public that we all serve. So it's an awareness issue to start with, and then we start looking at some of the details of driver fatigue, what causes it, and maybe some strategies to help keep everybody safe. Because at the end of the day, that's what we really want. We want everybody to get home safely, both people working for the department and the citizens that we all help by clearing the roads out the way. Yeah, I don't. I know sometimes it's it's easy to to sort of lose sight of that. I mean, you're you're out there, you're you're fighting, you know, a winter storm or or some other event, uh, long hours, and and you know, you you want to you want to get the road open, you want to provide mobility, but but you don't want to be a hazard while you're out there as well. No, and and one of the things is it's real easy to get caught in the trap of just going and going and going and not realizing how tired you really are until it's almost too late. Right. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned in, in the, the, the first uh, uh, sheet, the first tech tip that you've got is, is this idea that you need to start planning for fatigue before you actually run into these events. Yeah, and that's, part of that comes back to your training you're doing in the fall and getting ready for the winter is, are you going to be able to shift? Are you going to be able to have folks take time off? What do you set up at your own facility? Um, do you have cots? I worked for a county before I came to the LTAP Center, and we actually had cots available that the staff could use to just take a small nap. That's actually a pretty good technique, but you have to plan for that. You can't just try to do it later on. You really have to take that into account as part of your scheduling in the fall before the first snowflake spot. Right. Now, now, when it comes to fatigue, when it comes to driver fatigue, there's a couple of different uh, types of fatigue out there. Um, uh, I understand that, that there's, there's sleep-related fatigue and, and there's, there's task-related fatigue. What, what, are the, what are the differences between those two? Well, sleep-related fatigue is the one we sort of all think about, and that's where you just don't get as much sleep as your body needs the circadian rhythm kind of thing. And we talk about how many hours of sleep different people need at night. And especially if you get out of that cycle that you're used to, you can get overly tired. And so that sleep-related fatigue is one that we're probably a little bit more familiar with. And the effects, of course, for that are pretty obvious. It slows down your response time. And some people even associate that kind of fatigue with being drunk. It's, It's similar in some cases if you're not careful. It could be the similar to having a blood alcohol content that would actually get you in big trouble. But the other one is task-related fatigue. So doing the same task, especially something like snow plowing, can add on top of any sleep-related fatigue that you've got and make you even more tired. Because when you're out there plowing the snow, you're doing an activity that takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of effort, and it can wear the body down. A real common example of that is if you're driving yourself, think about seeing all that snow coming at you, and it's just the amount of stress that it builds up into your system. And those are things you got to be worried about. So the one we all think about is the sleep. But the other one we really need to think about is while you're working, you're also getting fatigued as well if you don't have time to recover, relax, and get ready to go back out there and fight the snow again. Yeah, I know Clear Roads, uh, the Clear Roads organization has done some uh, research. They've done some projects on on fatigue, and and it's sort of been focused on this this task related uh, area. You know, the when you look in 
think about the the cab of a snowplow. Uh, you know, it's a it's a very you know complex um, uh, environment that you're working in. There's a lot of controls. There's a lot of things to pay attention to, and that sort of thing. And and I think, like you say, you know, staring into the snow, it's it's uh, it really wears on you. Well, and the thing about it is, it's not just um, the complicated stuff, too. Sometimes even just sitting there going down that road again and again and again becomes almost, you know, automated in some respect. And you, so you're just going along and you're driving. And that's a form of fatigue as well. So you have to deal with both that stress from the driving, but also the fact that tasks can get a little monotonous at times, especially if there's a lot of snow again and again and again. You know, I would think that that monotony would, you know, if if you were in a, a larger organization that had shift work and, and um, you know, like you say, it's just this idea of patrolling, right? You know, you're just, you're just driving and driving and driving and, and uh, you know, that, that could really take a toll on you. You know, and I, I guess maybe some of the long haul drivers run into the same kind of thing. They can. And it's amazing though, some of the truck drivers that are out there that deal and plow all the time, they actually get energized by it. Not a lot, but once in a while you run across somebody who you're like, they actually like their being plowing. And for a while, they can actually get energized by the plowing activity. The problem is you had sleep deprivation, yeah, sleep fatigue on top of task fatigue, and all of a sudden, they hit that wall. And that's the risk that we run into, is all of a sudden, they stop being able to really maintain the high level of performance that they were used to when they had plenty of sleep when the task was relatively fresh. So what are some of the things that um, folks can can do to to help mitigate these these two different kinds of fatigue? I mean obviously you know it's like oh you need to get you get need to get good rest and you know stay in a cycle and that sort of thing. Those are kind of the obvious things but it's, that's harder to do when you're you know, in the middle of a snowstorm or, you know, a major flood or something like that? Well, it can be very difficult during a flooding event or during a snow event or during any event where you're out again and again and again. But one of the first things agencies should think about is making sure the equipment is actually helping the person, not hindering what they need to do. Uh, One of the best examples, for instance, is one that actually you and I can do if we're driving at night is turn down those lights so that that light from the front dash isn't bright in our eyes. It turns out that actually helps to dim all the lights inside the cab, reduces the amount of fatigue that you're going to build up. Make sure you do the same thing with all the lights that you're dealing with. Make sure that everything is working well. You've got a heated windshield, that you've got that CD player or satellite radio playing music that you're comfortable with. Or myself, actually, I like to listen to old-timey radio. Something that will actually engage you enough to keep the brain active and yet at the same time not take away from the primary thing, which is the driving and snow plowing path. Mm-hmm. So first thing, agencies have to set the equipment up. You know, good seating makes a huge difference. But I understand there's always a push. Oh, we can't afford air seats. And, you know, we, we don't want to put in a CD player for the driver, but it turns out that small cost can be a huge benefit in terms of safety and actually in terms of productivity. Mm-hmm. So now, that's the equipment side. Yeah, so you you, you kind of have to you have have, have to uh, make sure that those they don't become a distraction, right? 
they make sure they don't become a distraction. There's some non-equipment things you can do, however, just as important. And that is make sure that folks take their breaks. They take their naps. A lot of times we want to just keep going, but you got to stop for a while taking a break. I'm bad about that. I know that. Um, but, you know, encourage that. Encourage a healthy lifestyle. That can help quite a bit. Make sure that the operators are involved when you're buying the equipment and setting up your maintenance yard. Again, as I said, when I worked for a county, we had a place for folks to take a nap. They can make a huge difference. And if they're tired, don't make them go back out there. Mm-hmm. Make sure they understand it is okay for them to say, hey, look, I'm just too tired to be safe. You certainly wouldn't want somebody going out there who was taking medication and they said, oh, the medicine makes me unsafe. You would want to do the same thing with sleep as well. They're just too tired. It's better to not have them out there with a very, very large piece of equipment that takes a long time to slow down, especially on snow and ice. Right. And and that's where it gets to be really difficult because, you know, these guys, they're, they're, they're driven to provide the service. And, and somebody is, really has to, you know, be sort of looking over their shoulder and saying, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we do need to take a little bit of a break here. And... and that's where policies can make a big difference, too, in terms of having a policy. Maybe we don't plow at night or we reduce the level of service during certain hours. So we're, we're ready to go for the snow plowing before the school buses come out. But maybe in the middle of the night, we let the snow build up a little bit. Again, that's part of the culture that we have to build up and make sure that we understand that. Um, in your tech tips, you, you do talk about policy. And, and in fact, you've, you've given a, an example of, of a suggested policy. Where, where, where did that one come from? That particular policy, well, I have to give absolutely all the credit to Adam. He's the one who did most of the digging for these particular ones. And he found it in a whole bunch of implementation manuals. And I have to admit, I have to look up the acronym every single time. So uh-huh. this particular one is NAFMP. And again, I would be honest and have to admit, I'd have to look it up. But that's just for the sample for fatigue management. That's not even dealing with snowplow policies in terms of setting up your cycle, setting up your equipment, things like that. He's mm-hmm. found a really good policy for dealing with the individual. But now you may also want a policy for how you actually set up your whole snowplow operations. And by the way, it's not in this series, but we do have information on that as well on our website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we will we will post links to to these tech tips and and some other things uh, that that deal with uh, driver fatigue. You know, you you get so so tangled up in the technical issues. You know, like you mentioned, it's like uh, oh, we you know what kind of asphalt and and uh, what temperature and how many times do you hit it with a roller. Uh, you know, there's, there's these elements, you know, like this fatigue thing where it, it's not that kind of a technical solution. You've got to tap into other resources to, uh, to get it sorted out. And, and it is every bit as important as, you know, what temperature uh, your asphalt should be and, and how thick a mat you should put down. In, in our snow and ice class, we have a, the guy who wrote it for it used to work for the state DOT here in New York. And he has a quiz to start the day. And some of the questions we have changed over the years, but one we have kept is, what is the single most important part of an effective snow and ice control or winter maintenance strategy? And we have a written plan. We have salt storage. We have good equipment. And, of course, the right answer is well-trained, 
professional staff. And that's true. And you can't have well-trained professional staff if they're too tired to do the job. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep. You know, going back to the the person, the the person themselves, um, you know, we we talk about healthy lifestyles and and that sort of thing. Um, it, it would seem to me that that there should be some energy put into into that. It, you know, it not only makes you a you know a better, more healthy person, but but helps your performance at work. Um, I guess how do we how do we start encouraging folks to to take a look at that? That's that's hard, but you have to start with the idea of making sure that everybody is part of the team. It's a culture kind of thing, that we're all working on this together. And by doing that, we actually can improve things, that we're all going to be looking out for each other. We're going to help each other where we can. Um, We're going to give people positive support. And that's why I said earlier, it's about awareness. We need to make sure people are aware of the issue. Once they're aware of it, Generally, we can start to come up with a solution as long as people don't feel like uh, they're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. Implement small changes can make a huge difference to getting big buy-in. What, uh, what do you think about uh, stimulants, you know, caffeine and, and energy drinks and, and those kinds of things? Uh, I know those are you know, the, Red Bulls, the Red Bulls are pretty popular. Coffee is pretty popular. Um, does it really make that much difference? It's a classic short-term fix. It might help you for a short period of time. We've all done it in a pinch. Oh, I get, I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll go out there. But of course, when that coffee wears off, now you're going in the other side of the coin where now all of a sudden you've got no stimulus available to you. And so any fatigue you've built up comes back and it's even worse than ever. So it's a short-term kind of solution. It's not a replacement for getting that sleep. It's not a replacement for having good health practices. So it's, again, the kind of thing where don't rely on that to keep you going. And certainly don't be mixing anything like that with medications or alcohol. Those are absolutely verboten. You need to not have them as part of the equation with no blowout rate. Right. I mean, I mean, alcohol is a, it's a depressant, right? It, it takes you just the opposite direction. Well, and the problem with alcohol is, in some respects, fatigue's the same way. We don't realize the effect it has on us until it's probably too late. You know, one of the things, um, David, that, that came up in the, um, in these tech tips, uh, deals with lighting. You know, you, we, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, lighting inside the cab and, you know, reducing that lighting to, to sort of cut that glare and all that. But, um, you know, when you talk about a snowplow, uh, there's a, a lot of, of external lighting that's going on, uh, you know, strobes and, and um, you know, high beams for, you know, looking forward and that sort of thing. And it, it seems to me that, that those would have a, an awful lot of impact on fatigue. They, they actually have a huge impact. One of the things we try to do with good lighting is we want plenty of light for the operator to see because they're obviously going to be out in some of the darkest conditions. But at the same time, we want to set it up so that the light doesn't hit the snow coming up towards the windshield because we know that actually adds to the fatigue problem. So narrow beams, trying to make sure the snow doesn't come up across the hood by even putting in deflectors to the snow, making sure that the plow blades and the angles are set so that you're not blowing snow up in the air that then comes into the windshield. Uh, 
Lighting is a huge issue. Our State Department of Transportation actually has done a lot of work on trying to set up good lighting here in New York State, and some of the things that are linked to actually refer to some of their material. So, yeah, the equipment is really important setting it up right in the first place. Yeah, and, and, and I know it's, you know, a lot of folks think that brighter is better, and, and the more strobes that you get going, you know, the, the better off it is, but... Um, you know, and it's sort of a constant battle between that philosophy and, you know, just how much is enough. Um, you know, at, at some point, more more strobing and more intense light really starts working against you. Um, you know, I, I can imagine sitting in a in the cab of a truck and and having that either that amber or that blue strobe, you know, pulsing in front of you all night long has has really got to to get to you. Well, and the way you do that is you focus on the light that the driver sees should be the solid, steady, give me visibility, because we know visibility is a huge issue. The strobe and the moving light are designed to help drivers not in the plow, see the plow and understand what it's doing and where it's going. Right. Well, uh, anything else that that, uh, sort of comes out? I mean, these tech tips, there were... I don't know, 14, 15 pages uh, in in like a two-page segment that that um, really contained tons of information and and uh, kudos for to Adam for putting these together. Um, anything else that we'd like to talk about? What I would tell folks, and and this is true by the way, with us here in New York, with any of the LPAP centers, and with almost all of the state DOCs, there's resources available avail yourself of them. So if there's a topic, ask the question. And when it comes to a topic like this particular one, you're thinking, I don't want to read 14 pages. Don't. Read one. Start with the beginning or pick one of the ones that's of most interest to you and start there. Maybe it's something you have in the break room and a guy reads during the break. Get started with small steps because some of these things take a bit of time to understand. But little steps can make a huge difference to eventually making all of us safe and all of us get home. Well, and and I know these were these tech tips were designed for the folks there in in New York, uh, but but they really are transportable across. I mean, fatigue is fatigue; it doesn't matter where you're at. It is true. You could be in the deep south dealing with flooding, which we'll probably get every spring, or you could be out in a desert area where you're having to deal with tumbleweeds. I don't know if you've seen where the tumbleweeds are across the road. You're still doing a repetitive activity, maybe even in the middle of the night. You need to think about fatigue. We all need to think that. Well, David, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Psychop Talks Winter Ops. Uh, you, you guys have got a great product there, and and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna do our best to to get this information out to. Uh, to folks all across the U.S. Um, and uh, again, thanks for for joining us today. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And uh, on behalf of Adam Howell and the rest of the staff here at uh, the New York Health Health Center, the Cornell Road Program, uh, thank you very much for hosting. Again, it's it's been a pleasure. Okay, and if there's ever a topic you want to talk about again, please let us know. All right, you could be a repeat offender here on Psychop Talks Winter Ops. Oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> thanks again, Dave. Hey, you're very welcome. Thanks very much. And thanks for listening to this episode of Psychop Talks Winter Ops. Until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.